Good morning. I'm John Miller. That's what they said I am, so I guess that's who I am. <laughs> so anyway, I'm, I'm excited to be here this morning. I really am. I'm excited what God's done here already this morning. I'm excited about the things he's done. It's probably only 11 o'clock in the morning. He's, he's done a lot already this morning, so I'm really excited about that. And and uh, let's, I just want to start with, with, with a prayer, and let's, let's start with that there, because that's where we need to start. So... Lord, I'm just thankful this morning, Father God, God, that you would give me the humble opportunity to stand here before my family and brothers and sisters in Christ here and, and, and share a word of God, Lord, to them that I pray, Lord, that I could, I could exhort and, and, and encourage one another, my brothers and sisters, Lord. And Father, I just pray that... They, I would decrease, Lord, and you would increase right now, Father, that I'd just get out of the way, Lord, and just let you do the speaking. Just use me as the vessel. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we start this morning, I want to share something with you before I'm going to start the, 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 so the, the sharing. God gave me this this morning, and I just wanted, I woke up out of bed with this, so I'm going to share it with you all. And I want you to think about what I'm telling you as we go, go, go through the message. Today can be different. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today our broken spirit can be healed. Today years of being in bondage and sin and addiction, those chains and feathers can be broken and you can be set free. God has given us that opportunity today. Through his son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who shed his blood on Calvary's cross to set us free. The Bible says, whomever calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Call upon him today, friend. He's waiting to hear from you. This is your day. So with that being said, we're going to start the sharing with something I entitled, Seizing the Opportunity. In Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, in the NIV, the Bible says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Here, I believe Paul is saying, that the overall opportunities to preach the word have only a short window. We need to take, we need to make the most of the opportunities as the days are evil. And we are not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm sure we have heard the phrase, seize the opportunity or strike when the iron is hot. Opportunity is defined as a combination of circumstances favorable for a purpose. To seize means to take possession, something suddenly by force, attack, or to strike. Why do, we suppose, why do you suppose it is important for us to take possession of it suddenly? Because opportunities do not wait around for the faint-hearted nor the slow movers. Whether you're young or old, opportunities are presented to a person on a daily basis. We could either seize them 
or let them slip away, slip on by. While there are so many opportunities before us, what I want to focus on today are those that have eternal consequences. Let us read a statement from Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, 9. The Amplified Bible says it this way, For a wide door of opportunity for effectual service has opened to me there, one great and promising, and many adversaries. Paul says a wide door of opportunity has been opened unto him, but with adversaries or opposition. It would be nice if he left that part out. <laughs> But he didn't. The enemy is not going to sit down, roll over, play dead, and let, and let us seize these opportunities without some kind of a fight. Let us turn to Acts 16 now and catch up with Paul and Silas as they are about to be thrown in a prison after being falsely accused. And I'm going to start in 22. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they, when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into a prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, trust, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast into the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and every one of their bonds were loosened. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we're all here. And he, he called for a light and sprang up and, and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what? must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I shall be saved, and the house. And they spoke unto him the word of the Lord, and all that were in the house. And he took them the same hour and the night, and washed their stripes, and, were, and was baptized. He and all his, and he and all his house. During, during this missionary journey, Paul was led through a vision to go to Philippi, which is a commercial center in the district of Macedonia, a traditional region of Greece. Its influence throughout the region made it a good place to begin preaching the gospel of Christ. Paul preached to a woman named Lydia who made a living in the city selling purple dyes and cloth. Lydia heard the message, and the Lord opened her heart to it. The Bible says her entire household was baptized. 
saved and baptized. It looks like the window of opportunity was open wide as Paul was later, later on able to move around the city proclaiming the message of salvation. However, shortly after he was falsely accused, seized, dragged, flogged, beaten, together with Silas, both found themselves in an inner prison, feet fastened to the stocks, totally immobilized. Could Paul and Silas find a great opportunity even within these prison walls under these circumstances? The answer is yes. He and Silas resorted to the one thing that cannot be taken from them or us, which is to encourage themselves and each other. The Bible says Paul and Silas responded with prayer and singing hymns at midnight. It was the time of darkness. It is the time of darkness that their Christian witness shines the brightest. In doing so, they may, they may have brought encouragement to other prisoners who were, according to the story, were listening when the earthquake shook the ground. Immediately, the prison doors were opened and the shackles were set free, set them free. Paul and Silas and the others could have, could have all fled, but they did not. And it seemed very strange to me that, why the, why, that the other prisoners under these harsh conditions also did not flee. Only the hand of God could have caused this to happen. Under Roman law, the guard who allowed the escape prisoner, the escape of a prisoner, was generally put to death. Believing all the prisoners had escaped, the keeper of the prison assumed that death was certain for him. Paul and Silas, by not escaping, put the welfare of the other man above their own. And the way they responded to the suffering and the mighty acts of God brought the jailer to his knees. He finally knew he needed God's salvation and asked how he could be saved. And him and his family placed their trust in God immediately, expressing that faith by being baptized. And the circumstances may have been unfavorable for the, in the jail for Paul and Silas, but it had led to the saving of a man and his family and change their eternal destiny forever. We might find ourselves maybe not in a prison like Paul and Silas were. We, we might end up there, but, but we might find ourselves in, a, in an array of very different, different, difficult situations, but God can still use it for his glory. Genesis 50.20 says, but ye, for ye thought evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. The false accusers meant to do harm to Paul and Silas, but God meant it for good, to have Paul and Silas there to be a witness to that jailer and his family. They wouldn't jailer and the family wouldn't, may not happen to him if they're not there, but... Kind of a rough way to have to go. And this is also a perfect example of 2 Timothy 4.2, where it says, Preach the word, be urgent in season and out of season. Most of us would assume Paul and Silas encountered an out-of-season event in Philippi. This is my own date. 
But knowing these two, in my opinion, it could have been their end season <laughs> event. You can rest assured that Paul and Silas, as they departed Philippi to continue their journey to Thessalonica, were not discussing how they should tone down their message so they didn't have to find themselves in the same predicament. They continued in proclaiming the gospel in boldness and truth and were labeled in chapter 17 as the men who turned the world upside down. And this is my own comment here too. And, 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 and you think the people, the people in the world think that being a Christian is boring. They're boring, it's stale, don't dry it up room. Paul and Silas grabbed, a, grabbed, their, grabbed their opportunities by the horn, not holding back and going full throttle for the Lord as we should be doing likewise. Now let's visit Paul and John at the temple gate as we turn to Acts chapter 3, 1, 1 through 11. Hmm. Praise the Lord. I'm going to get me a drink of water before we go to the... <laughs> Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid there daily at the gate at the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked, asked alms. And Peter, fasting his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I have none, but such I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took, up his, took him up by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And, and he was leaping up and stood and walked and entered into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at, which, at what had happened to him. And as the lame man, which was healed, held Peter and John and all the people together onto them on the porch that is called Simon's, Solomon's, greatly wondered. So here the crippled man has gotten, Peter prayed for him and he gets saved and people are in amazement, gathered around him, talks about, Chapter 3 talks about the, the healing of the man who was lame at birth. And at the end of chapter 4, it says he was over 40 years old. And he was never able to walk his entire life. His miraculous healing took place during an encounter with Paul and John. Most likely, the two disciples had seen him, seen this man there with his affliction many times. I'm sure they were going to prayer many times. on their way to the temple for prayer. 
As the Bible says, he was put there daily to beg for money. Possibly they could have thrown him a coin or two. But this day was different. Here, they were Peter and John are filled with the Holy Spirit. As mentioned in chapter 2, where the day of Pentecost came. Though they had no money to give, Peter and John recognized this man's need, which is far greater than their money. They encountered, in that encounter, they seized the opportunity to boldly pray for this man's healing and deliverance in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And the crippled man who is now healed recognized it. It was God who caused the healing and began praising God. Peter and John gave him something far greater than silver or gold that he was begging for his whole life. Likewise, us as believers may encounter similar opportunities. We must be watchful and ready to act as the need arises. In many instances, personally, I have found my unbelieving friends in their time of need receptive when I asked if I can pray for them. It's opened many doors to be a witness and to be a vessel to show God's love and power. I've never had anyone ever refuse, friend or stranger ever refuse when I asked to pray for them. I've never had not a one of them ever say no. They, they let you pray. So God will open that door. Now I'm not going to try, try to... <laughs> These two... Oh, wait. One more thing. The healing, the healing of a crippled man likely wasn't the wasn't on Peter and John's to-do list that afternoon as they were heading to the prayer meeting. Just like many of us coming here this morning, we were just on our way to church. They were off to the prayer meeting. They were going, they were going there to do the prayer meeting. But, but as they went to the prayer meeting, but God opened the opportunity for them and gave and gave them opportunity to seize both. Because as the story continued, I'm going to say this before, I'm sorry. The story, as the story continued, a second opportunity arose as the people gathered and ran after them in amazement. The scripture says Paul was able to preach to 5,000 people that day, which he also preached to 3,000 in Pentecost. That's 8,000 people. That's a lot of people. Praise the Lord. So, so between those two stories, I've got a little song I'm going to sing because that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and I probably should leave it to the choir, but I'm not going to. There's a little song we used to sing many years ago, and it, is, and, and it goes like this. I got a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison doors and lets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me, spring up a well. Within my soul, lift up a well, and make me whole, spring up a well, and give to me that life abundantly. Now I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and our final lesson. Well, story was going to come out of, um, let's take a look at the parable 
in Luke chapter 10, 29 through 37, as we, there where Jesus teaches, teaches us who our neighbor is in response to a question by a rich lawyer. Mm-hmm. Then, okay. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he saw him at that place, came and looked on him and said, and he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, he journeyed, came, and where he was, and he journeyed, and he saw him, and he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, poured in the oil and the wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him into the inn, and he cared for him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two, piece, two pence and gave it to the, to the host, and said unto him, Take of him, and whatever so that spend, spendeth more, then come, when I come again, I'll repay you. Which now of these two, of these three, thinkest thou is the neighbor unto the, the one that fell unto the thieves? And the man re, re, responded, He that had showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said unto him, and he says unto us, Go do likewise. In this parable, there were three men who were presented with the same exact opportunity. One was a priest and a Levi, the two you would have expected to have helped the injured man, who was also a fellow Jew. Not only did they pass him by, they made an effort not to get involved by completely ignoring him and purposely crossing to the other side of the road. The two had failed to show compassion on the man and hurrying past their opportunity to serve. On the other hand, the third passerby, who was a Samaritan, when he saw the injured man, he did not hesitate to help. He had great compassion for the man. That by, by, the, by the culture of that day, should not even been interacting with. He used all his resources and made them available to the man. His oil, wine, cloth, his donkey, his money, and his time. The Bible tells us that when we... But no, yeah, the Bible tells us when he got to the inn, he stayed with him, and I'm assuming he was continued to care for him through the night. The next day, he gave more money to the innkeeper to watch over him, and if it wasn't enough, he promised to return and repay the innkeeper. And I'm sure when he returned, he probably checked up on the guy if he was still there and see how he was doing or how he made out. So he did did all those things. You see, sometimes there may be a cost in fulfilling opportunities God places before us. 
You would think it would be easy to do this for a friend or a family member. But what about a stranger? Would we think differently about it? Would we be like, or would we be like the Good Samaritan who looked past cultural differences of the day to meet the need at hand and used his resources to help somebody with the same kindness as he would have done for a family member or a friend? This, as this parable reminds us, everyone is our neighbor. Everyone is our neighbor, despite our differences. With that being said, the sick need a physician, the lost sheep need a shepherd, no matter who they are. As we pray and seek opportunities to show kindness and use our God-given resources, God will help us see who these neighbors are in our community. In closing, when we look at these three examples that Scripture shows us today, how do we recognize and prepare ourselves for such opportunities? My answer to that is pray, pray, and pray some more. <laughs> Matthew 7, 7, 8 says, Ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks, find, and to him who knocks, the door will be open unto him. Pray, pray, pray that we would have a clean heart before God and restore the joy of our salvation. Psalms 51, 10, 13, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, and uphold me with thy, right, with, with thy free spirit. And 13 says, Then, then I will teach transgressors their ways, and sinners shall be converted unto me. It is very important to have a clean heart before God always. And most definitely, if you're going out to share God's word, and be a good witness for Jesus. If we are harboring sin in our lives, jealousy, strife, bitterness, and, for un and an unforgiving heart toward others, we will not be an effective witness, and we will open doors of, for doubt and unbelief to come in. And that's exactly what the door we don't want to open. Same holds true for joy. We need to be excited about Jesus. Nehemiah 8 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. When we have a joyful heart, people can see that shining through, can, can see that shining through us, and they will want what we have, just like the Philippian jailer saw in Paul and Silas. In that same sense, when our heart is, in, in the same sense, when our heart is not right with God, sin begins to draw that joy out of us, and our light begins to dim. When we are walking in the fullness of God, we will have an effective witness to fulfill verse 13. Then I will be able to teach transgressors their ways, and sinners will return unto thee. Pray, pray, pray. Pray that God gives us a genuine heart of compassion for all people. Ask the Lord to give us a heart that puts others' needs before our own. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28 says, Do not withhold good, good from those.
to whom it is due, when it is your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go, <laughs> come again tomorrow, I will give it when you got it to give now. Thank God the Good Samaritan did not have this attitude. Let us pray that God gives us the ability to see people through God's eyes and respond to their needs and compassion, with compassion. Pray, pray, pray. Pray that God will, would open the door of opportunity to each of us. To each of us day, every day. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, 19 again, a wide door of opportunity is open to me. If you notice, the door was, he was referring to was open to him. And, he, and I assume that Paul was praying that door to be open long before he ever went, started on his missionary journey. And as we're also praying for those same doors to open to us, we are in, when we, and, and we are in full fellowship with the Lord, we are able to clearly recognize the opportunities as they arise because we are seeking these opportunities and watchful and be prepared for them. When we, and when they arise, we can seize these opportunities to be a witness for the Lord. Simple things throughout our day can be turned into an opportunity. Being patient, kind, and caring for others are ways to make the most out of every opportunity. When others see your genuine love for God and other people, it will open doors for sharing God's word. A small act of genuine love or compassion can go a long way for someone who is hurting, struggling, and can use some encouragement in their life. That can be in your circle of influence or outside of it. Wherever God places you, wherever God places you, you need to be, you need to be ready for the opportunity. I'm going to share just a little bit about my time in the hospital at OHSU. Um, I, if you didn't know, I had heart surgery in, in June, and I knew I was going to OHSU, and I, I looked at it as an opportunity. I didn't look at it, oh, I got to go to, I, I didn't care about this. I mean, they're, they're going to put you under, they're going to give you surgery. I said, I'm going to make an opportunity, I'm going to take a chance every opportunity I had when I was there to be a witness to all of them. And when they wheeled me in, and this is a very personal thing I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you. When, I, when they wheeled me into that, into that surgery room and they had all that, that table laying up in there, I, I told the anesthesiologist, I said, I want to pray for, I couldn't pray for everybody individually. I said, yeah, I want everybody to come around that surgical table before they put me on there. And I'm going to pray. I said, I'm going out and shouting. If I don't wake up, I'm going out and shouting. I, I, I prayed. I was crying when I was praying. And I've heard a few of them even say amen. But I said, you know, that opportunity came. I can't go back there and replay that opportunity right now. I can't go, oh, I wish I would have did that and go back to the OHSU today and gather all the people back together. That came and it went. But I took advantage of it. And I'm, and I'm glad that I did. And, and, and my stay in the hospital as well, I think they threw me out there early because I was <laughs> preaching to everybody. <laughs> I took that opportunity. And there was all kinds of people there. There was, you know, there was uh, people with the rainbow name tag on there. It didn't make no difference. It, I don't, it was the, the janitor. And I, made, and I made a purpose in my room. Most people had their room shut, their door shut. I wanted my door open because I like talking to people, if you didn't know. 
And when I had to, I left my door open so I could, I could gather people to come in, the janitor, some lady from Ukraine that was a janitor, whoever it was, they, they would come, I would wave them to come in and, and be able to talk with them a little bit and share with them and just encourage them. So it just, you know, that's kind of a neat, a neat thing. So, okay, huh? where was I at? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, small circle, that's right. So, so we need to be, be ready. We all have our little circle of people we're around. You, you, you guys are around different people that I'm around, I'm different people that you're around. So we have at our workplace or where we shop or wherever it is we have, we, we have that influence around them. And if we're all doing that, I mean, there's a lot of people here, we could, we could just about reach this whole county just with the people we know. <laughs> So anyway, when the, <laughs> wherever God places you, one of the best tools we have in our toolbox when we're in that circle is to share your personal testimony, how you came to Jesus. Many people will try to argue about the truthfulness of the Bible, but nobody can dispute the facts of your testimony. You know it is true because you were there. I mean, they, they, how are they going to dispute your testimony? Were you there? No, I was there when it happened. I know what happened to me. <laughs> I know when Jesus came in my life, and, and I was there. So. Well, I'm going to end with this here. This is my charge to myself and, 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 my, and, my, and my family. Brothers and sisters, my charge to, to us is this. Let us go in boldness and truth, and in the full power of the Holy Spirit, and fulfill what God has commanded us to do, which is to share the good news of the gospel throughout the world, even if our world at, the, at this moment is only the 744 square miles of Polk County. We should do it with all our heart, soul, strength, and strength, one soul at a time. If we live out our days in service to God, we will never miss an opportunity of open doors to touch our neighbors with the gospel. And God bless you.